It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. The number to call, the Beyond the Show. Clay Travis at the bottom of the hour. He's going to talk about what's happening at the Olympics, what's happening with Aaron Rodgers yesterday, uh, the COVID test, the NFL stance, the trade deadline, and and the big pictures in the world. Uh, And, of course, you can uh, call the Beyond the Show. uh, And we will take some of your emails. Go to briankilmeade.com. Some good news for the economy. It grew at 6.5% last quarter, that, uh, last month. That's real good, considered it was one6 the night before. They saw the month before, uh, this seems to be much more in line with where we should be doing, bouncing back after the self-inflicted wound, which was the pandemic. Actually, China did it, but we reacted to it. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Crime does pay right now across this country. Criminals know that they have the green light to pretty much do what they want to do because they were in an era where we coddle criminals instead of holding them accountable. And now the criminals just have no fear of consequences because they know they're going to get slapped on a wrist. Uh, that is true. Dion Joseph, an active officer right now with the LAPD. Call a cop. That's what cities are now saying almost a year after they told them they were the problem and needed to be reimagined. Now from D.C. to Seattle, they're begging anyone, everyone to put on the badge. So far, the response, silence, and I don't blame them. Number two. At a time when Washington seems broken, this group of members behind me came together and decided we were going to do something great for our country. My goal remains to pass both the bipartisan infrastructure bill and a budget resolution during this work period, both. Right. Senator Portman was the first, Senator Schumer the second. The bipartisan infrastructure bill is framed out and now needs to be built out as the full Senate votes to move forward with the debate. But what we know, what we know is in it, we'll go over it, why the unwieldy left and far right have already said no, and how good news looms, at least in my mind, as one Democratic senator makes it clear she will not vote for the next package, which is a multi-million dollar partisan bill, which Speaker Pelosi has demanded must be following this one. Number one. Which is it? Vaccines or masks? Do the vaccines work or they don't work? Do the masks work so they don't work? I'd like to know which it is. Or are they just going to go around poking people saying you must take a vaccine? Oh, but sorry, the vaccine doesn't work. You must wear a mask. Uh, I understand your anger, Chip Roy of Texas. When will these Democrats follow the science? County by county, vaccinated by the unvaccinated, are being told to mask up. I say no to the factless mass mania, adding to the idiocy as the Biden bunch leave the southern border wide open where infected illegals are overrunning our border patrol and being let out 55,000 plus over a million since Joe Biden took office into the interior of the country with little cards that say find an ICE office when you get settled. I'm not kidding. So when Chip Roy goes to work yesterday, he finds out that there's a rule. And the rule is you got to wear a mask. And it's good news for Nancy Pelosi because she had all those custom masks made. And sadly, she had to put them away last month. Listen to her. With all the problems we have, 
Look at her. Cut one. To be clear, members and staff <coughs> must wear masks in the hall of the House at all times except when a member may remove his or her mask when recognized by the chair. The sergeant-at-arms is authorized and directed to impose a fine against any member acting in violation of this policy. All right. Here's the problem. Everybody, I think, has been vaccinated or has natural immunity. And the Senate has no problem. But the House makes that move. Just shows you a disjointed and a lack of scientific approach to this whole thing. But it affects everyone's lifestyle. Think about the gym. Think about the workplace. I know two people yesterday got emailed. Don't bother coming in after Labor Day. Now it's going to be put off till at least October. Now, what's the big deal, right? Well, it's a big deal because productivity goes down. It's a big deal because transit's not being used. It's a big deal because lunch and breakfast is not being bought. No one's going to stay and maybe have a drink after uh, uh, or have dinner after work. No one's going to be able to go back to the workplace and have a sense of normalcy. Uh, And believe me, there's a lot of depression going on right there. Everything is put on hold. So you say, well, what can you do? The The pandemic's unpredictable. But it's fact. This whole thing is without fact. You have the vaccine. You're going to be fine. I'm just going to give you some of the stats that Mark Thiessen put in his column. They did the math. Right now, if you are vaccinated, there are some people that have breakthroughs. And you still get the virus. But you know what it looks like? The cold. Not even that. You have a little bit of congestion and you're done. Is that why you put on a mask and stay home from work? Never has been before. Those hospitalized 849 out of 161 million, it comes down to 0.5%. Put it in perspective, you have a better chance of dying statistically from a lightning strike, from a dog attack, from a car crash, from a drowning, choking on food, than you do from the coronavirus if you're vaccinated. And if you look at Israel, the median age of those hospitalized with infection is 74. The Israeli study of patients hospitalized with the breakthrough infection is only 4% and with no comorbidity. So unless you have an underlying condition, you're not being hospitalized. Israel gives us those stats, but the CDA, CDC has not produced any of that. Admiral Brett Juror, who is running things for President Trump, saw what the CDC said about masking up again and said this, cut seven. What has been really confusing is what the CDC said yesterday. Um, They made recommendations but didn't give the data. And let me be specific. They claimed, and I'm sure there's reason to believe this, that even vaccinated people can spread the virus uh, because of the high levels in their nose and mouth. Well, what percent is that? Yesterday, they said it's a rare uh, occasion. If it's rare, 1%, 0.1%, then you don't need to mask, and you shouldn't recommend that. If it's 20 or 30%, then what they said makes sense. But they made the recommendation without being transparent about the data. Because they don't have it. They haven't put in the effort to get it. Dr. Marty McCarry told us this yesterday. I'll give you the stats again. In his column in the Wall Street Journal. The CDC data showed that more than 600,000 Americans have died, okay, with a COVID diagnosis, okay? 353 were children under 18, all right? And the CDC had no idea whether they had pre-existing conditions and whether the COVID diagnosis was incidental or casual. How 
much effort? And how much money do we have to give you to find out? Because you know what the result is? No first grader, no kindergarten, no preschooler, no 11th grader, no 12th grader gets to go to school without a mask because these idiots at the CDC don't put the effort in. They think they're watching our back and keeping our kids safe. But what they're doing is giving the kids acne, stopping them from breathing cleanly, stopping them from interacting, stopping them from being able to read emotion, stopping them from getting a locker, stopping them from competing uh, in sports in any type of organized fashion, stopping them from riding a bus. That's what you're doing by watching them. We've been through this drill. It's embarrassing. Now that we have the vaccine, stop acting like we don't. Now you're going to tell us to go get it? For what reason? Dr. Scott Gottlieb, FDA commissioner under Obama and for a little while under Trump, said this. Cut six. I don't think that we're going to get enough bang for our buck by telling vaccinated people they have to wear masks at all times to make it worth our while. I think we're further into this Delta wave than we're picking up. I've been saying that for weeks. I think, you know, in another two or three weeks, we'll be through this. This new guidance will have a negligible impact on that. I think much more prudent guidance to people would be that if you're vaccinated, you're in a high prevalence area, you're in contact with the virus, you think you might have the virus because you have mild symptoms of it, be prudent, get tested, maybe wear a mask, especially if you're around a vulnerable person. That should be the bottom line guidance we give. Um, CDC, I think, is having a challenge measuring this right now. Right. They have a challenge, but they're not trying. How much more money we have to give you? You make a vague comment and as voiceover, as voiceover. You actually are infecting so many people in this country. Get on camera, explain it, and take questions. And maybe have the follow-up question be, what are you basing this on? So now that you said our recommendation is to wear a mask in inside, guess what's happening? Idiot mayors and governors that destroyed our lives for a year and a half feel empowered again. Austin, Texas, recommends masks indoor regardless of vaccine status. Los Angeles County was there last week and the week before. Seven counties in California overall in the Bay Area. Clark County in Nevada. New Orleans implemented indoor mask advisory spike in cases. But the cases are not fatalities. If you are vaccinated, you don't have to worry about it unless you're lying about the effectiveness of the vaccination. Philadelphia strongly recommends them indoors. So what's going to happen? The paranoid restaurateur who doesn't want to be fined, who doesn't want to be sued, is going to say, okay, don't stand at the bar. Okay, go wear a mask when you sit down. And people are going to say, I'm staying home. Kansas City, reinstated indoor mask mandate. New Jersey strongly recommends they do it. The White House will have everybody coming indoors wearing masks on. We'll see these all these men and women asking questions with masks on. What a terrible message to send. Meanwhile, you allow the, the southern border to be wide open. Over a million people have come here. You're deporting very few. Only males, if you come here as a family or unaccompanied minors, you get to stay, even though you're not vaccinated, even though you've been told at Fort Bliss not to say anything as the COVID-19 virus spreads because you're in close quarters with no plexiglass and maybe you're not wearing a mask the right way. It's incredible. You can't ask us to do both. You can't say that this is an emergency. You better mask up before you go to the Applebee's, but let the southern border run wild, wild. Here's Ben Dominich, cut 10. And I have a message for those of you, unfortunately, who are watching from a state that is run by a Democratic governor and run by a Democratic legislature. You're going to be shut down. 
you're going to have to buy those masks again. You're going to have to live through everything that we saw happen all over again. And it's going to be red states and red state governors where Republicans are going to stand up against this and say, we're not going back to that. We promised the people that we weren't going to go back to that. We are encouraging you to get vaccinated, but we are not going to go back. And I think you're going to end up with a real split across the country between schools and, and situations and corporations and, and private entities where the rules are going to be, as Bill says, a total mess. It's going to be very different depending on where you live. That was already true. It's only going to increase in the level of experience of the differences between how Americans live. And he knows he's a parent, too, as well as being the Federalist and Fox News contributor. But if you have to, you have some time, I know Florida starts school real soon, but most of the country, I think, starts in September. If you can afford it and if they will accept you and they actually let the kids live their lives and have normal classroom settings, no wearing the mask, I would move. Get out of your school. Because this Randy Weingartner has already said that she is going to follow the CDC guidelines and will not commit to opening up the schools. Do you believe this? And if you do go, it's going to be wearing a mask. Find a school that doesn't do that, that doesn't make you cower in the corner and make your kids suffer the emotional consequences and move infrastructure. Let's talk about what took place. We know there's been a long negotiation between Republicans and Democrats on a bipartisan bill. Uh, they're going to repurpose $250 billion in a pandemic aid. Uh, that includes $50 billion in canceled unemployment aid. And then they're going to take $580 billion and put together the, the biggest bill in 10 years to come out of Washington, we need infrastructure, roads and bridges and major projects, $110 billion. safety, $11 billion. public transit, $39 billion. passenger and freight, $66, uh, reconnecting communities, $1 billion. what does that mean, airports, ports and waterways, $42 billion. clean water and water infrastructure, $105 billion. Uh, there's not a lot of green in here, which is good. Environmental remediation, $21 billion. Speed internet, $65 billion. Power infrastructure, $73 billion. Now, they want to see an expanded. we got to get more details. But it shows we're so close to an agreement, we'll get an agreement. People, we need this stuff. And then we need to do it quickly. We've got to cut out the red tape like President Trump did. So here's the announcement. Senator Portman, former OMB director, said this last night. Cut 10. 19, excuse me. At a time when Washington seems broken, this group of members behind me came together, along with others, and decided we were going to do something great for our country. Every American believes that roads and bridges, ports and waterways, even our digital infrastructure needs to be updated. Right. Uh, so, look, they still got to figure it out. So then they had a vote last night to move forward. Sixty-seven votes for yes. So they'll move forward. Now, what Nancy Pelosi said in the House is, I hate this bill, really, but I'm only going to like it because I'm going to get another bill coming, which is going to be pure party lines. It's going to include health care. That means preschool. That means elder care. That means school lunches. That means free preschool, as I mentioned, and uh, and free college, junior college. So that's part of the freedom. They want to include immigration infrastructure in that. They want to include voting infrastructure in that. So she says, I'll vote for, I'll vote for this horrible bipartisan bill if the next one's coming. Well, the next one might not be coming at $3.5 trillion. Why do I say that? Because Kirsten Sinema said, I'm not signing off on this. She wrote this, quote, I have also made clear that while I support beginning the process, I do not support a bill that costs $3.5 trillion. AOC responds back to the fellow Democrat. Good luck tanking your own party's investment on children, climate change, and infrastructure while presuming you'll survive a three-vote House margin. 
especially after choosing to exclude members of color from negotiations and calling that a bipartisan accomplishment. Everything's color, race, creed, and gender with the wild left. And she posted pictures, half of which are Democrats of all white people negotiating this, as if that's a bad thing. They're called lawmakers representing states, including Senator Schumer, who might be white, according to reports. When we come back, your calls. And then... Clay Travis. Busy show. So glad you're here. Brian Kilmeade Show. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We sent a notice to the council about our overtime needs um, and that they may see those uh, overtime expenses increase over the summer months. The chief has to make decisions about how to keep the force uh, fresh, uh, rested, uh, and in the best position to make good decisions. I will be sending an additional uh, $11 million supplemental budget request to the council this week uh, to allow for the hiring of 20 new uh, officers in FY21 and 150 new officers in FY22. Well, uh, that is that is Mayor Bowser of D.C. noticing the spike in crime. Homicides hit a city high, 16-year high in 2020. It's a homicide supposed to exceed that in 2021. We're seeing children in the line of fire, baseball games being interrupted by shooting. Things are out of control. So they look like they have uh, looking to look higher. Uh, 70 more cops. Okay. How's that going to go? Because you cut $23 million out of the budget. Now, Bowser, to her credit, opposed the cutting of the budget, but the, the council, the city council, voted to defund the police to that level. However, Bowser is a vocal supporter of Black Lives Matter, which has pushed for the reimagining, the defunding, dismantling of... 
out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. A police organization, so you really can have both. Think about this, 170 cops down in Austin, Texas. They are having problems getting anybody to serve, and about 16, about 16 uh, give up their badge on average every single day month. So there is a crisis and you are looking to the police to bail you out, but the police aren't doing it because they haven't been empowered. The prosecutors aren't strong. The judges aren't strong. The prisons, the big focus on the prisons is emptying it out. That's the problem. Here's Joseph Pincone from the union, cut 34. And if you look at DC, it's amusing to me because all the mayor of DC has to do is tell the truth that we have an emergency here, that the shot, odds of you getting shot in the head are going up, and D.C. could give them all the money they want if she declares a state of emergency, because D.C. is under the purview of Congress in that case. But she won't do so. She won't. She wants to say, work overtime, keep us safe, but we're not going to empower them to do their job or prosecute them when they're caught. When we come back, Clay Travis, outkick. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I was trying at two and a half, and I ended up doing a one and a half, just got a little bit lost in the air, um, which is really unfortunate, especially to have a score like that go up there for the team. Um, I feel like I robbed them of a couple of tens, and we could have been a little bit higher in the rankings. But, um, yeah, I was trying at two and a half, ended up doing a one and a half, which was definitely not my best work. And that is uh, the best gymnast in the world, Simone Biles, backing out for the first two weeks of the competition, including the team competition. Her team gets a silver. Russians, for the first time, I think over 10 years, uh, get the gold. And they did well, but Simone Biles probably would have delivered it for them. And she's so good, she made her, uh, her so difficult. The judges were wondering how to judge her accurately. Clay Travis is uh, founder of OutKick and president of OutKick. He is both. Man, is he powerful. He's got a great show that starts at noon in most of the country, uh, along with Buck Sexton. Clay, welcome back. Hey, appreciate you having me, Brian. So Simone Biles and people have speculated, her friends have talked about, maybe she's suffering from some of that abuse that she took as a kid and the pressure and afraid of hurting herself physically. I know you you do not think this is a good move. Are backing well, I, I, I'm, yeah, look, I'm not getting into what Simone Biles is or is not thinking from a psychological perspective. I mean, my analysis is just when you put a goat uh, literally on your back, the greatest of all time, uh, we judge athletes typically throughout my life as a sports fan and as a sports commentator by how they do on the biggest stage at the biggest time. And the biggest stage at the biggest time for gymnasts is the Olympics. And so uh, I I think the standard that we judge greatest of all times and we judge athletes should be consistent across sports when the lights are the brightest, uh, your performance 
uh, is judged the most uh, the most stringently. And so, uh, look, if, if Tom Brady, as I've said for several days, decided during the Super Bowl after starting it that he didn't want to uh, continue because of any reason uh, that was anything other than a physical injury, mm-hmm. he would be castigated to the high heavens. The same thing would happen to LeBron James or Michael Jordan. Now, look, if you decide that you don't have what it takes any longer – and you want to step away from a sport, that happens all the time. And I certainly understand uh, the idea of, you know, use the Olympics as an example, Usain Bolt and Michael Phelps, who would have been the two biggest draws at the Tokyo Olympics, both decided that they didn't have it anymore. And so they decided not to compete. So if Simone Biles had decided, hey, even a week before uh, the competition, but certainly it would have been more ideal, you know, a couple of months before hey, I don't have it anymore, and walked away, I think that would have been totally uh, acceptable within the competitive dynamic. But, you know, Brian, I do think this. There's been a lot of discussion and and talk about Simone Biles. I think we have to start to talk about how well her teammates did in a circumstance where they suddenly had to perform in ways that they didn't anticipate without the star member of their team. I thought the other members of the U.S. women's gymnastics team stepped up in a uh, big way and obviously spoiler alert for people out there that are trying to uh, uh, trying to uh, avoid the results look we just had uh, a a woman who I think is 18 years old step up and win the women's all-around gold this morning uh, Suni Lee I believe Um, and she's going to be a student at Auburn this fall so uh, she stepped up on the biggest stage at the biggest time and won the gold medal in the all-round for the U.S. women Um, and uh, that is an incredible accomplishment by her, and I think, frankly, that's a bigger story at this point than what Simone Biles did or didn't do. I mean, it was. When we talked about clutch situations, did you strike out, did you hit a homer, did you hit the free throw, did you miss it? Uh, Now we're talking about not showing up for the the two times in the last six weeks when you look at Osaka of of tennis and not playing Wimbledon and citing uh, mental stress. But with with Biles, I just think she's done. She did it all in 2016 and 2019, you know, and she's done it before. Why now did the pressure get to her? And I'm wondering will she, if she'll be a huge story if she could find a way to compete next week. Don't you agree? That'll be one. That'll be one of the stories we'll never forget if she chooses to do it. Yeah, I do think it'll be a massive story, and certainly NBC is rooting for that to happen. Uh, for the television networks, because look, you know this, stars are what people tune in for. And I think by and large, one reason why this Olympics has struggled, and look, there are certain things you can't control, right? Uh, Not knowing what the time zone is, what's going to be live when we got a 12 or 13 hour difference for much of the United States. That's a big challenge, I think, made more so by the fact that social media uh, has, has blown up in the way that it has every single four years something not being live becomes a bigger issue. Uh, I think, again, I mentioned the Phelps and the uh, and the uh, Usain Bolt decisions not to compete. Those are the two biggest stars in the Olympics. Simone Biles was the next biggest. And then you toss in, look, the U.S. women lose their opening game in soccer. The U.S. men lose their opening game in basketball. Katie Ledecky loses her first, uh, her first swimming race. Uh, there's just been a lot of, I would say, not – you know, ideal storylines for the start of the Olympics, not even to consider 
the lack of crowds, the COVID dynamic, the fact that I think a lot of people are just over uh, seeing athletes walk around in masks and, uh, and, and are over the, you know, the COVID, uh, the COVID influence on athletics. Probably many of those people uh, are tuning out partly as a result of the fact that many of the athletes don't seem that proud of America. And usually the Olympics is the ultimate place where we all kind of put aside our partisan differences and choose to support yeah. the USA no matter what. Um, you know, I, I talked about this on my show, Brian. I remember being 19, in 1988 uh, when we were playing in Seoul, the Olympics were taking place there. I remember being a kid and being consumed with whether or not the United States was going to have the most gold medals uh, and was going to, uh, to end up with, uh, you know, the most medals overall. And I watched it all on television, right? In 1988, there wasn't really a way to know, even though it's on the other side of the, of the world, as a kid and even as an adult, there wasn't really that way in 1988 to keep tabs on the fact that these events were not taking place live and all those things. So you put on uh, NBC and you sat back and you watched. And um, I think that's just kind of where we are. I think right. it's emblematic of uh, many of the challenges facing yeah. the Olympics. Well, we are winning the medal count, I think 39 to 28 over uh, China. Uh, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I think that he transcends sports. He's on so many commercials, uh, movie star, good looks, high-profile relationships, and the reigning MVP late in his 30s. We used to never see this, uh, but now we're seeing it. Tom Brady spoiled us. Aaron Rodgers continues to shine. He, he seems to be somewhat of a football genius. And last year, uh, about four months ago, he says, you know what, I don't think I want to play for the Packers anymore. And no one could figure out why. He talked yesterday, very candidly, uh, cut 42. Based on uh, them drafting my replacement, J-Lo, last year, I think that kind of put things in motion. Based, the way, based on the way the season went last year, there was nothing in last season that made me uh, confident that I'd be back after 21, and maybe even not after 20, 2020. thought we could progress some of those conversations with maybe a greater commitment during the offseason. Uh, like I said, that didn't really didn't happen. And then it kind of progressed from there into a commitment for the 2021 season and beyond. That really wasn't given at any time. For me, I had to assess the situation, not necessarily wanting to be a lame duck quarterback, especially after an MVP season, which I think you can understand. So he says they didn't factor me any decisions. He goes, you have to do everything I say, but I'm at practice with him every day. He's been with the organization longer than most of the people in the front office. Don't you want to know what receivers I think are good, who works hard, what I think we need? He couldn't understand why they weren't factoring him in. It seems to be a dumb move by, um, on the, with the Green Bay Packers. I mean, why, not, why don't you want this guy's input? Well, I mean, I think this is emblematic of football in general, right? Um, the GM and the head coach see themselves as the chess grandmasters. And even if you are a big time piece on the chessboard, you're still subservient to them. So really this is to some extent a power struggle. And Aaron Rodgers also said, you know, he thought it was uh, unfortunate that uh, in the wake of, uh, of that great season, they didn't come rushing to him to try to sign him to a multi-year extension. In fact, it took all these other teams being interested in Aaron Rodgers for them suddenly to come running to him and try to get him. And, and look, I think ultimately what this boils down to is two things, power and respect. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers believes he deserves some of the power to dictate the final years of his career. And he also thinks, based on his performance, that the Packers should be respecting him more than they have. And I think this is the same thing we saw play out. So where do you side, Clay? Tom Brady. Where do you right? side? Are you, are you with Rodgers on this? I think when you when you have one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL 
you have to do whatever it takes to make that quarterback happy because if he leaves and they go to Jordan Love or someone else, the team goes from a 12-win team probably to an 8- or 9-win team. Uh, that's how much difference one elite quarterback makes. So I think you have to keep your talent happy at the quarterback position uniquely in all of football uh, and really in all of sports. I don't think any position matters more than the quarterback in uh, right. college football or the NFL. Absolutely. So I want you to hear your other area of expertise is politics. You talk about everything on your show, on uh, Outkick. Here's what Chuck Todd, and he did this without a laugh track. I admire this. Listen to what he says is going on in politics today and what he doesn't believe. The Republicans have been running on, there's a liberal bias in the media. And if you talk about if you say something long enough, there are liberals who say there's a liberal bias in the media when you see polling now. The point is, if you say it enough, a lot of people believe it. But now the Republicans have sort of subsumed all of this and it's turned into this. We should have fought back better in the mainstream media. We shouldn't have accepted the premise that there was liberal bias. We should have defended, no, we're, we're stuck in a, our bias is facts. You know, I, I hear the attacks on fact checkers where they fact check Republicans six times more than they fact check Democrats. Yeah, perhaps the Republicans are being factually incorrect more often than the Democrats. How, how, what is your take? Does he really believe what he's saying? I mean, I don't know about you, but when the Washington Post puts democracy dies in darkness on the front page of their newspaper every day after Donald Trump gets elected, I don't remember them ever doing that for a uh, Democratic elected president. Um, you, you may uh, – I, I don't think that's ever happened. When the New York Times basically turns into an opposition piece for the Donald Trump government, I think, if anything, and from a media perspective, the subscription-based model has – forced many different media outlets to even more aggressively move to the left wing. Uh, you look at the New York Times, you look at the Washington Post, who is their base? Their base has become far left wing opposition yep. to the Republican Party uh, uh, business model. And so if you actually cover the Democrats aggressively, then you lose your base. It's a fandom element. The analogy that I would make, Brian, for people out there who are aware, there are subscription-based sites for big-time college athletic programs, rivals, 24-7 sports, if you follow these. One of the things you learn is those sites cannot be hypercritical of the team that they cover in the same way that independent media could because if you rip the team that you cover too much – then the base that is paying you to cover that team says, wait a minute, why would I pay money for you to denigrate the team that I love so much that I'm paying $10 a month for you to cover? That's really what's become the case also with the New York Times and the Washington Post. They can only go so far before there's a rebellion from their subscriber base. I doubt that Chuck Todd is very plugged in with what the business dynamics are of, uh, of, of media, but I can tell you this right now. The squishy middle is where you get crushed. Uh, whether you like it or don't like it, you've got to make sure that your base is happy. Right. Uh, or you could just be honest about it and just say, hey, you know what? The Republicans are right at the border. Hey, you know what's going on? I, I think that first infrastructure package could set the table for more compromises down the line. You know, give on Don't pretend uh, that That's you're right. actually going to discuss anything that make Democrats upset. That's what I try to do with my shows every day. Yeah. I'll tell you exactly what I believe. I'm not going to pull any punches. If you disagree, that's great. That's one of the great things about living in America. Uh, you don't have to agree with everything that I say, and in fact, you shouldn't. But you if believe you what you say. 
You That's believe right. what there's you an say. Authenticity. There's an authenticity behind it, and I'm not pulling punches. And I think that's really what Americans want more than a rabid advocate for one side or the other. They just want people to be honest with them and not be pulling the wool over their eyes. And I think when you claim, oh, we're 100% unbiased, uh, like you know, a guy like Chuck Todd would in that, in that clip, no, it's, it's flagrantly clear that that's not true um, you know, going forward. No kidding. And he replaced Tim Russert. And he was balanced, and he That's was, right. and he did take on everybody, whether it was Dick Cheney, or uh, or it was uh, Senator Ted Kennedy, and I, I. That's what I counted on. And this guy replaces Tim Russert and claims there's no liberal bias in the media. Are you kidding, Clay? I look forward to your show today. Always great having you on. Hey, I appreciate you guys. As well, keep up the good work, bro. All right, you got it. One eight six six four zero eight. 7669. I'll come back. I'll take some calls, weave in some emails because we can. Brian Kilmeade Show. There's no topic he won't touch, and there's no opinion he won't engage. It's one of the great joys of my life. Call in with yours at 866 408 7669. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to the untold story with Martha McCallum. The host of the story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. We got to go around and see, okay, we can't come to the floor. I can't execute my constitutional duty unless I wear a mask. Which is it? Vaccines or masks? Do the vaccines work or they don't work? Do the masks work so they don't work? I'd like to know which it is. I'd like Dr. Fauci to come down and answer a single question about natural immunity. If you've been infected with a virus, do you have immunity? Or are they just going to go around poking people, saying you must take a vaccine? Oh, but sorry, the vaccine doesn't work. You must wear a mask. Chip Roy, you were so on the money yesterday. You uh, voiced our frustration, and I'm so glad you did. Now they're making them wear a mask on the floor. They're not going to wear it. They've had it. They're fed up. I'm fed up. They're, now they're going to start making everybody vaccinated wear masks again. Unvaccinated, a lot of them have the natural immunity. We're almost there. You heard Dr. Scott Gottlieb, I played it for you earlier, said we're basically done with this variant. I'm going to tell you some of your emails, and you can call on the phone, but I'm going to try to get so many, so many emails as possible on mask mandates. This is from t- uh, Tim. I simply cannot believe we're at this point. Working in the restaurant industry, I went from don't mask to you must mask for two weeks to flatten the curve. And a year and a half later, I finally decided to get vaccinated so I don't have to wear it anymore. Now, the big corporate company I work for, once again, is mandating I wear a mask regardless of vaccination status. They are forcing compliance in order to work for them. I feel hopeless and want to fight back, but I need my job. Tim, I hear you. Um, this is uh, unrelated, but I'm doing an event with Dana Perino, and it's going to be September 25th, and it's going to be, go to briankilmeade.com, find out more. It's going to talk about history. I'm going to talk about my history, uh, 1776, how great this country is. We'll bring you inside Fox, and she's going to uh, talk about her, her years in politics as well as advice. She said, hey, Brian, I attended Dana's book event in Jacksonville. I'm surprised at the standing ovation you received upon making your appearance. You're not returning. My husband laughed as I left him behind to make it to you to let you know um, well, I love your style. I have news for you. We haven't formally announced it, Rose, 
but I'm coming back December 3rd. We're going to put that up soon. Uh, Carol says, when it comes to history, can, can you consider contrasting Truman and Trump? Lots of parallels and opposite. Rich, poor, I get it. Israel, Medicare, vaccine, military, and marriage. Now, they all, uh, obviously, growing up poor was Truman, uh, but direct, uh, upset the system. They felt like Truman wasn't worthy. They felt like Trump wasn't worthy. He built up the military. Trump built up the military. He took on the Russians. Believe it or not, Trump took on the Russians. If you look at what he did. And then you have Israel, both strong towards uh, Israel. So there's a lot of comparisons. I'm not sure it's book-worthy, but it's interesting, Carolyn. Thanks so much. Keep them coming. Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. We know the economy's growing at six uh, in the second quarter, grew at over 6%. Much better than 1.6%. I want to go in detail with that with the great Larry Kudlow. Bottom of the hour, Mark Thiessen. He did something CDC didn't. He used math and stats to find out how dangerous this Delta variant is and the chances of vaccinated and unvaccinated getting this. How about this? You have a better chance, if you are vaccinated, of getting hit by a lightning strike or dying from a bee sting from, than dying from this Delta strain of the covid uh, 19 variant. Is this unbelievable that they're now saying mask up in certain situations inside, vaccinated or unvaccinated? And you wonder why people don't trust the government? Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Fabric, the easiest way to get affordable life insurance. Learn how to protect your family against the unexpected at meetfabric.com slash Brian. Number three. Crime does pay right now across this country. Criminals know that they have the green light to pretty much do what they want to do because they were in an era where we coddle criminals instead of holding them accountable. And now the criminals just have no fear of consequences because they know they're going to get slapped on a wrist. And know what? Look at the video. Dion Joseph, an LAPD officer, talking about what's going on, especially in California. You can steal up to $1,000. It's amazing. You watch people walk into a CVS or a, or a makeup shop and just take money and fill up backpacks, and they walk out. Call a cop. That's what cities are now saying almost a year after they told them they were the problem and needed to be reimagined in D.C., in Seattle, in Philadelphia. They're begging for more cops. I say do not do it unless they could change the rules and empower them. Number two. At a time when Washington seems broken, this group of members behind me came together and decided we were going to do something great for our country. My goal remains to pass both a, the bipartisan infrastructure bill and a budget resolution during this work period, both. Good luck with that. I got to get Larry Kudlow to wait on this. Bipartisan infrastructure bill is framed out, but now needs to be built out. The full Senate votes to move forward with the debate. What we know is in it. What we know is not in it and why the left is angry about it. And get this, a Democratic senator, Cinema, stands in the way of the $3.5 trillion partisan bill that was queued up to pass. You thought Manchin was the problem? Not so fast. Number one. Which is it? Vaccines or masks? Do the vaccines work or they don't work? Do the masks work so they don't work? I'd like to know which it is. 
Or are they just going to go around poking people saying you must take a vaccine? Oh, but sorry, the vaccine doesn't work. You must wear a mask. Listen, I understand exactly what Chip Roy is saying. They're making him wear a mask on the House floor. They're probably making you wear a mask when you go to a bar or restaurant or gym now. We're in trouble. They have backtracked on everything they've said. People don't trust the CDC, and they're fed up. County by county, vaccinated, unvaccinated, being locked down, being uh, being restricted again. And I think this is going to be terrible for the economy and the country. And it contradicts everything we learned about the vaccine. Joining me now is Larry Kudlow. He was part of Operation Warp Speed, all hands on deck to get a vaccine to stop this China virus. Welcome back, Larry. Thanks, Brian. Uh, Larry, you're a former White House economic advisor, your lengthy resume, but now and more important, I know you just came off a great month uh, hosting Kudlow on FBN, uh, weekdays four and at seven. Congratulations on your on your win over CNBC. Yeah, thanks, Brian. It's a, it's a real blessing. And uh Actually, we're we're not only beating them at four, we're closing in on them at seven on the rerun. Wow. <laughs> so I'm very happy. I'm very grateful. I have a great team, and you've been a guest many times, and you always help us. I know, and I carry my own furniture. Uh, don't you think that makes me unique? <laughs> I actually carry my chair to the set. <laughs> so, so and Larry you got and, and one of our great affiliates, seventy seven WABC, I know you do a show on the weekends. Your work ethic is incredible. I got to bring you to this as in forget American, forget politics. When you saw the CDC come out and say that they're recommending indoor uh, mass for the indoors, vaccinated, and unvaccinated, put in, put in, what was your thought? Oh, I think that's uh, uh, not credible. The CDC is just kind of cover its rear end here. It's like an institutional bureaucratic thing. And it's very messy as you were suggesting earlier. And a lot of these blue state people uh, are going to take it to extremes. The worst thing in this by far is the uh, advisory to wear masks in K through 12. Unbelievable. K through 12. And the teachers have to wear masks and the administrators have to wear masks. Now, first of all, that reverses their earlier decision. These Kids are not in danger, okay? Most of them, if they get it, it's asymptomatic. But that is not where the problem is. The problem is adults and seniors particularly. And herd immunity for adults and seniors is now 85% or more. So this is just utter nonsense. And I'm worried that the teachers' union, which doesn't want to teach Uh, In addition to teaching critical race theory, they basically don't want to teach at all. And I'm worried that the schools in some of these big states might get shut down again because of this, which would be a catastrophe for the kids, for the parents and for the economy. Larry, the frustration the average person feels is uh, it's, it's off the charts. And I think right now, if you're a parent and there's a private school near you and they and they're doing their own thing on this. They find a way to get the funds to go, if possible, because it really is affecting these kids. I mean, for the seventh and eighth graders to get an acne, they're breathing in dirty mass cotton all day. For the second and third graders, they don't talk. And I'm talking to child psychologists. They say it's so important for kids to be able to see emotion. Is it is the teacher mad at them? Are they showing surprise? Are they showing distrust? They can't. This is going to be the second year. 
Yeah, these, those are good points. There's a very good points on the tremendous psychological and social harm. Look, the, the trick here is what, what uh, CDC should have said is to step up the vaccinations, finish the job on the vaccinations uh, on adults, okay, 18 and over. Finish the job. The guy who has this story right, Brian, is, wait for it, wait for it, Donald Trump. Everything he has said in recent months is vaccinate, vaccinate, vaccinate. You know, my proposal on the show was that the Facebook and uh, Twitter and them should give him back his uh, platform so he can tell the country. Everybody listens to him and he can tell the country to go and get these vaccinations. Just finish that job. And uh, he's got the story completely right. And generically, the story is just finish the vaccinations. We don't need masks and we don't need kids out of school and so forth. Well, I would think that if President Biden really cared uh, he would say, you know, keep in mind the previous administration through Operation Warp Speed came up with it. Credit us for doing what he probably claims is a better job getting the shots in arms. But for those right. doubters, but we know the stats say most of the reluctance in, is in the inner city. It is not among Republicans. Democrats are getting vaccinated at a higher rate, but it's mostly minorities that are taking a step back. They're still up in the air. And what we keep hearing is don't insult people. Don't say don't say what. Joe Biden said yesterday, I thought you guys were smarter than that when I got you the vaccine. Or people want to hear from doctors. Make the phone call. Call your doctor. But having said that, yeah. i got to go into another area of your expertise. The economy grew at 6.5%. It came across a short time ago uh, between April and June. That's a huge number, so much better than the 1.6. Why and where do you think it's going? Well, look at um – Six and a half is a good number. It's about the same as the first quarter, which was 6.3. It just shows it's a strong recovery. Look, the street was looking for eight and a half, so it came in light. But, 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 when you look into these numbers, uh, consumer spending was humongous, and business uh, spending on equipment and technology was also humongous. So the core, the core GDP is actually close to 10% at an annual rate. The glitch in the story is, of course, uh, inflation. The uh, GDP deflator was up 6%, 6.1%. I don't know how long that's going to last. Probably depends on what the Federal Reserve does. But we've certainly, you know, the the jack-up in inflation may be one time. It may be temporary or it may not be. But it is hurting people right now. But on the other hand, these are strong numbers. These are very strong numbers. And I'll tell you what, we don't need a $5 trillion spending and taxing and regulating plan. We do not need that. If it, you know, leave the economy alone, it's healing very nicely. Keep our taxes down. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So yesterday they got the framework passed on a bipartisan way, even though we don't know the details, 67 votes to come start the debate and start filling out our biggest spending in 10 years. It's going to be on infrastructure, and it's mostly the things that you guys talked about, bridges and tunnels and roads and broadband. Uh, Here is Rob Portman, Cut 19. At a time when Washington seems broken, this group of members behind me came together, along with others, and decided we were going to do something great for our country. Every American believes that roads and bridges, ports and waterways, 
even our digital infrastructure needs to be updated. So uh, Chuck Schumer came up, Kirsten Sinema, uh, they said, listen, we, we like what we see here. From what you know, uh, from what they tell us, I can give you the, some of the numbers uh, for our audience because. No, they... I have I have the numbers. I have the numbers. Go ahead. Um, so it's a $550, $550 billion bill. That's the top line. Um, parsing through this, it looks like something like two-thirds is actually good infrastructure spending. Bridges, roads, tunnels, ports, waterways, railroads, airports. It looks like about two-thirds of it. Uh, about one-quarter of it is Green New Deal stuff, uh, which I think should not be in this bill. You mean clean drinking water and water infrastructure? Do you consider that Green New Deal, $105 billion? No, no. no I, I, I put that in the, in the good in the good column. The, the not good column is $73 billion power grid. That's going to be cutbacks in natural gas. That's going to be all kinds of uh, controls um, to, to stop fossil fuels. Uh, some of that is to buy critical minerals, which we don't have. China has them that you need for batteries, supply chains for green energy. It's all a bunch of governmental subsidies. They have to look at that uh, I think there'll be amendments to that. The other stuff is the so-called resiliency, uh, you know, blah, 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 cybersecurity, floods, wildfires, drought. None of that has anything to do with uh, global warming, by the way. This is all just part of the um, far-left greenies. That's $46 billion. And then they got um, a lot of money, $7.5 billion for electric vehicle School buses, ferries, batteries, and um, electric gas stations, whatever you call them, charging stations. So that was the compromise they made. There will be amendments. On the pay-for side, um, no income tax hike. So, you know, they, they managed to separate that from the $5 trillion bill, which will come down the pike. And about a third of the pay-fors are blue smoke and mirrors. Um, it's $56 billion in economic growth with a 33% return on investment. That's my favorite because then the Democrats are going to go and raise taxes on corporations, capital gains, and everything. So you're not going to get a 33% return. Sorry. Um, so, $28 billion tax on uh, cryptocurrencies. That was a big surprise uh, for everybody. So I'd say about a quarter to a third of it is blue smoke and mirrors. The rest of it is real. And, look, I, I, there'll be amendments. They need to have amendments. They have to do much more on permitting. They, that's really important. You know, we— Because it uh, takes too Trump long. Everything takes too long. Yeah, I mean, instead of 10 years, we have permitting rules that went in one to two years. What they have included, it looks like, Brian, is uh, permitting for highways— will be down uh, to a couple of years. So that's good, but not for anything else. So you're going to have unions, prevailing wages, Davis-Bacon, bureaucrats, uh, state and local greenies, lawsuits, that kind of thing. So they should have done much more gotcha. on the NEPA permitting stuff. Larry, you know what it's like to be up against a break, but I do have one last question for you. The good news is Kirsten Sinema put a line in the sand saying, I will not sign off on $3.5 That's the next bill to come. That could blow this whole thing up. 
uh, but I do appreciate her standing up and having a rational, uh, having a rational thought, not a partisan thought. Real quick, to weigh in on that. Yeah, uh, good for her. But I, I'm penciling in a maybe because I think she will accept a lower number that will be, you know, huge spending and huge taxing and huge Green New Deal. So I, I'm penciling in a maybe on that one. The GOP is going to have a fist fight for the future of the country, Brian. That's what this is going to be all about. Yeah, yeah nothing short of that. Uh, Larry, we'll see you at 4 Eastern time on, yep. on Fox Business and then at 7. Thanks so much, and we'll listen to you on 77 WABC on weekends. Larry, thanks so much. Thanks, thanks Brian. Take uh, care. He's the best. Uh, when we come back, you, one eight six. you're also the best, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Then Mark Thiessen, he'll have the stats to arm you on your barbecue this weekend of why the CDC is so off base. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. I can see your calls up there, one 866 And I want to bring you to something that happened in the halls of Congress yesterday. Now they're going to jam, make all the House members, not Senate, wear a mask. Listen to Maxine Waters. Look at Burgess Owens and just start opening up on him. A lot of cursing. I think anyone uh, that disregards the attending physician's advice about wearing masks is absolutely ridiculous. If they don't recognize that, it's just like that stupid-ass man right there, that one with no mask on, that black man there, he should not be allowed to get on the elevator. I mean, that is absolutely ridiculous. Look at you. You need to put on a mask. You're going to infect other people. You idiot. Maxine Waters should be just uh, carried out and just told to get another job, yelling at Burgess Owens. He's been vaccinated. He's walking the halls. He's not dangerous. He's not going to spread it. And two days ago, there was no problem. Now she's screaming at him in the hall, cursing. I mean, you got to be kidding. How embarrassed are you if you're representing her district? Marty, listen on WDBO in Orlando. Marty. Hi, Brian. How do we know this money that's in this current federal infrastructure bill will actually make it to the infrastructure? We were burned on shovel-ready jobs under Obama-Biden. We know that the federal gas tax that's collected on every gallon of gas sold is often reappropriated to other areas and never makes it back to infrastructure. So why should I have faith that this money is actually going to make it to the infrastructure? I, I would assume, look, if you're building a bridge in my place, uh, it's going to get built. I mean, I got to have somebody has got to stand up for something. In West Virginia, you have a highway. You're down a Democrat or Republican you got to get that highway built. So I want that tar in my area. You know, I want that tunnel in my area. So it's up to them to go to bat. If they just sit on their hands, there's got to be some hell to pay for that. So there's got to be some accountability. I worry about the quickness, the speeding up, getting rid of the red tape to get something done quickly. These environmental studies are brutal. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Information on the Delta variant from several states and other countries indicates that in rare occasions, some vaccinated people infected with the Delta variant after vaccination may be contagious and spread the virus to others. This new science is worrisome and unfortunately warrants an update to our recommendations. What is she basing that on? What do you mean may, in certain circumstances, spread the virus? What does that even mean? This first column in the Washington Post today, it's moved down since the GDP came in at 6.5%. That became the top story. But today on the left-hand side, it was, what's the data to back up the CDC's claims that we got to mask up or do this or do that, vaccinated or unvaccinated? Uh, Washington Post columnist, Fox News contributor, Mark, best-selling author Mark Thiessen was ahead of the game. Yesterday, he went two days ago, he went to town, did his own math to find out and to prove to all of you that had the... Patience to read his column that we are overreacting again to a variant that's going to be brought under control in the next couple of weeks. And uh, it is under control now, and it's going to do almost no damage to anyone vaccinated. Mark Thiessen, welcome back. Good to be with you, Brian. Listen to that vague, that vague language. If I was being graded on that in college, I would be told to sit down and prepare next time. It's, it's remarkable. And the study, I think the study she's talking to was a study in India uh, that was of like something like 200 people that were used the vaccine that isn't approved in, for in the United States. And the study that was rejected in a peer review <laughs> for, for, for a medical journal. So that 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 is the basis on which we are. The CDC is acting. I mean, she says so many stupid things. She said the other day that, you know, you're twice as likely to die. Children are twice as likely to die from covid as they are from the seasonal flu. First of all, she doesn't know. She has, CDC has no data showing that a single child under 18 has died of COVID-19 in this country. There are, under official data, 335 children under 18 who have a COVID diagnosis code in their record um, that died. Out of the 600,000 Americans who died of COVID in, in the past year, but the CDC has no idea whether COVID was was caused caused their deaths or whether it was just incidental, whether they had a pre-existing condition, and they never even called the doctors to find out. In 30, how hard is it to call 335 doctors? So literally, the the government has no official data to show that a single American child has died from COVID. Yet she says. You're more twice as likely to die from COVID as you are from flu. That's just not true. So, I mean, your government is lying to you. So you put in your and I want to arm people because people are busy. They, they're kind enough to listen to the radio show, watch you on TV, and they want to say, well, this doesn't seem right. It seems so vague. But you went and did the math. And you said the data is clear. According to the CDC, as of July 19th, a grand total of 4,072 vaccinated Americans had been hospitalized with symptomatic breakthrough infections. One uh, out of more than 161 million. So then you did some math, uh, which I give you credit for. I don't like doing math. But, uh, that is I don't a, like math either, uh, <laughs> But you knew how. That's a breakthrough hospitalization rate of 0.003%. Better still, you write, those hospitalized, only 849 died of COVID-19. That means the death rate from those breakthrough infections Zero, 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 five. But you weren't done. There's a higher percentage chance you'll get hit by a lightning strike. Uh, there's a higher percentage chance you'll die from the seasonal flu. 
And you say, for vaccinated people, a much greater chance of dying from a hornet, wasp, or bee sting, dog attack, car crash, drowning, a sunstroke, choking on food. But we eat. We walk in fields where bees might be. <laughs> we walk around dogs on a regular basis. And we swim. All bad things could happen, as, including staying in the sun. Why do we have to? Why are we reacting like this? Um, and it's also that that is also true, not just of dying, but of being hospitalized from COVID. Basically, what this means is if you're otherwise healthy person and you've been vaccinated, your chances of dying or being hospitalized from COVID is close to zero. Right. Vaccines have turned COVID-19 from a mortal threat into something that's a little more dangerous than a common cold. I mean, I, I interviewed uh, on my podcast, What the Hell is Going On? I interviewed uh, Marty McCary, who's a, friend, who's a friend of both of ours. And he said, basically, if, you, if you're vaccinated, you're now living in a world where there's a seasonal virus, it's very mild, called COVID-19, that could give you some mild symptoms from season to season. There are about, there, right now, there are already in our, in our ecosystem four seasonal coronaviruses circulating, have been circulating for decades, which make up about 25% of all common cold cases. Because of the vaccines, COVID-19 is going to be the fifth. It's going to be circulating around, and people are going to get colds from it. They're going to get the sniffles. They are not going to die if they're vaccinated. So our battle has never been against the common cold. It's been against mass death. It's been against hospitals being overwhelmed. It's been against people dying these horrible deaths on ventilators. If you're vaccinated, that's no longer happening. And instead of Joe Biden running around saying you're stupid for not getting the vaccine, maybe he just ought to say that. Yeah, he yeah. Did. Maybe you just ought to say, yeah. if, if you get the vaccine, COVID is like the common cold. Absolutely. It's no and, more dangerous. And no more, say, if you go to a restaurant or gym, you got to wear a mask. I mean, you don't understand the damage you're doing to people and businesses. You don't understand how many people are now uh, believing what the CDC says and saying, I'm staying home. And now it's hard. one thing they were having trouble staffing. Now they're having trouble getting people back in. Now they're going to have, tr- have trouble getting people back out of their house. Dr. Scott Gottlieb who I think is a just-a-facts guy. He admits he's a, on the board of Pfizer. Who cares? He used to work with Obama and with Trump, has respect on both sides of the aisle. Listen to what he said about the guidance. Cut six. I don't think that we're going to get enough bang for our buck by telling vaccinated people they have to wear masks at all times to make it worth our while. I think we're further into this Delta wave than we're picking up. I've been saying that for weeks. I think, you know, in another two or three weeks, we'll be through this. This new guidance will have a negligible impact on that. I think much more prudent guidance to people would be that if you're vaccinated, you're in a high prevalence area, you're in contact with the virus, you think you might have the virus because you have mild symptoms of it, be prudent, get tested, maybe wear a mask, especially if you're around a vulnerable person. That should be the bottom line guidance we give. Um, CDC, I think, is having a challenge measuring this right now. Listen, he would say it. He's been very candid. He's on CBS and NBC. He's never on with us. Uh, I mean, what do you he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand where the yeah. CDC is coming from on this. Yeah, so Scott's a good friend and he's my colleague at AEI and I, I he's my go to guy. For smart guy, stuff. right? And he's absolutely smart guy, straight down the line, medical doctor, Trump, uh, worked in the Trump administration. Um, and and you know, this is the, the reality is, is that they're they're fear mongering with all this stuff. I mean, most people have common sense. You know that if you have an immunocompromised relative, that you're not going to, that even if you're vaccinated, you're not going to, if there's a Delta variant going on, most people are going to put on a mask or, or take some precautions around them. People are not stupid. 
uh, despite what Joe Biden thinks. And here's the other thing that Walensky said the other day, which absolutely driving me crazy. It's probably going to be my next column next week. She, she said the other day, this is the fear mongering. We're just a few mot- mutations away from a variant that can evade the vaccine, she said. She's very, very, that's just absolutely irresponsible. I asked Scott, I called Scott and I said, is that true? And how long, how long would it take you to produce, because he's on the board of Pfizer, um, how long would it take Pfizer and Moderna to produce a new vaccine targeted at a new variant? You know what he said? 90 days soup to nuts. That, yeah. What that means is the mRNA technology, which has been proven, and by the way, we've never had more safety data on a vaccine than this one because literally 161 million people have taken it, and, and almost no, very few have had any side effects. This, is, this technology is safe, and what this means is that if a, new, if a new variant comes out that can evade the vaccines, we can produce a new vaccine to, to detect it in a matter of three months. And have it out to the American people. We will never be at, at, at the kind of risk that we were in, in April and May and June of last year from the vaccine. We are never going to be defenseless against this because this technology, which, by the way, came as a result of Operation Warp Speed and the Trump administration's efforts, is unbelievably historic and epic in its, in its, in its, in its competency. This mRNA technology can be adapted by simply making a few changes in the code uh, that goes into the vaccine and any new variant that comes up, we can defeat. So this this fear mongering for the administration is just absolutely irresponsible. By the way, we just had a a bulletin. Uh, Capitol Police will uh, might arrest you for not wearing a mask. Unbelievable. Is this unbelievable? They won't arrest you for raiding a store or shooting somebody. We can't find them. Right. But we're going to yeah. use there are hun- they need 170 cops in DC. So they're going to sp- split off some highly qualified officers to start arresting people vaccinated not wearing a mask. So we're without data. Th- we have reached an all-time low in terms of competence. This is a this is a point of no return. I just want you to hear Tom Cotton yesterday uh, talk about he's just missing we're missing stats. Cut eight. I now understand, having heard those reports today, why the CDC has refused to provide data to the United States Senate in the last few days to justify their about face on mask mandates. Um, If it's true that they're using studies that are not thorough, that are not sufficiently scientific to reimpose mask mandates on vaccinated individuals, it'll be a scandal of the first order. But, you know, these little petty dictators like Tony Fauci and Rochelle Walensky, the head of the CDC, just don't want to give up the power they've been given over the last year. They want to be able to still boss you around and tell you exactly what you can do down to the most minute details of your life. But Uh, that's not going to happen in Arkansas. It's not, and, and but we're at. I'm susceptible. I'm not sure where you are, uh, Mark, and you don't want me to find you. Uh, but I'm in New York, <laughs> and I got a mayor and an egomaniacal governor like we've never seen in our lifetimes before, who spends most of his free time harassing women, uh, evidently. So now I'm going to have to look at him, look at the CDC, and decide. I think I'm going to start locking down. I think I'm going to start with the curfews again, and. We're going to be powerless. You know, you know what? You're not powerless because the reality is if you have had the vaccine or if you have and this is we always forget this. If you have natural immunity from prior infection, which is millions and millions of Americans who don't need the vaccine because they already have it because they have immunity from having gotten and and defeated COVID. 
go about your life. The pandemic is over for you. Okay. And if you were not vaccinated, go get the vaccine so you can take back your life and then and then and then go back. This is and here's the biggest problem. I'm I'm even less concerned about the masks than I am about the, what's coming in the fall with schools because the Delta variant is gonna probably peak in September in at the end of August, early September, right? Just when schools are opening. And so all the teachers unions are going to take this and use this as an excuse to force not only force children to wear masks. But to, to say that we can't reopen the schools against children as young as five or vaccinated from the, uh, that you there is no reason to vaccinate children that young. They are at, they are at a, an unvaccinated child is at, at the same low risk as a vaccinated adult for getting the thing. And even if and even if they did somehow get like asymptomatic COVID, yep. teachers, if they're vaccinated, teachers are not at risk from their unvaccinated students because the vaccines are bulletproof. So the idea that there's any excuse for keeping schools closed in the fall is an, an, is an atrocity. And just for you listening out there, I know you're probably driving in a car or you have your uh, AirPods in walking around. If you want the stats to make your family feel better, to, to have a conversation with your teachers who go in front of the school board, just pick up Mark's column, The Washington Post. Look what Marty McCarty wrote in The Wall Street Journal. Jot these numbers down because people are going to challenge you on a daily basis. This is the constant conversation for the last year and a half. And know that those numbers are right. Mark, thanks for doing the hard work. You're really helping. Take care. And be careful of lightning. <laughs> yes, and bee stings. And a wasp. Uh, thanks so much. Who will sacrifice their life to sting me, which I got to give. I have to tip of the hat to them. one 408 7669 Honest commentary. Unique opinions. No agenda. It's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Let me close with this. Back in 2009, during the so-called Great Recession, the president asked me to be in charge of managing that piece, then President Trump. Excuse me, Freudian slip. That was the last president. He caused, anyway, that was President Obama when I was vice president. Contractors don't have to tell us the total domestic content of their products. They just have to tell us that they hit the threshold. Nobody checking. Well, they got a new sheriff in town. We're going to be checking. Well, I'm serious. I am deadly earnest. Today, I'm directing the budget office to issue a rule to raise the amount of domestic content required to be considered made in America from 55% to 75%. Oh, yeah. So he and to his credit, he knows that Trump had a great line, but he Trump lived it from the 80s till today. If you read his books, uh, Made in America, we started making things here again. Joe Biden jumped on that. He doesn't acknowledge it. He'd do a long way to uh, bring the country together if he would. But he also made no sense yesterday a lot of the time because he made stuff up like, for example, uh, what he did for a living in the past, like he's always done. He makes stuff up about what he did in college and graduated with honors at Syracuse when he actually got caught cheating in law school in Syracuse. Uh, he, he actually doesn't tell the truth about how his, his family was tragically wiped out uh, by a driver. He said the guy had a liquid lunch. He didn't. 
And now yesterday he confuses Trump and Obama. And that's not a Freudian slip, by the way. Uh, so here he is, Joe Biden, saying, claiming he did something else before uh, 48 years ago, before he got into politics. Cut 38. And if we I don't do drive an 18 wheeler, man. Yeah. Oh, I wish oh, I yeah. could. <laughs> that's I awesome. got to. Hmm. Uh, nobody could find they drove an 18 wheeler. They said that he once drove a bus in the summer. So he also came out and couldn't. He said, I have three things, three things I ran for president. He never finished his line there. So sooner or later, people are going to have to admit uh, that Joe Biden's in trouble. What he did is, and what George W. Bush did in the beginning, he hired people with a lot of experience, and you would think that they would be able to get things done. And they did when it came to the vaccination sites. Absolutely. Got it. But now the pandemic, which he was rated the highest, he is going to crater like you've never seen anyone crater before because of what they just decided to do with masks. Aaron, listening online in Georgia. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Brian. How are you doing today? Good. Good. I'm going to say a quick prayer. Okay? Do you mind? Go ahead. Of course you don't. But we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Amen. Second of all, Okay, I'm not really sure what that. I'm not really sure what this means, but we'll move on. Um, Rich writes me and says, uh, "Brian, I thought this was politically incorrect to call someone a moron as a slang term. If you get a chance, you might want to mention that on the air." And Rich, I'm glad you brought me to that. Do you know that uh, it was hard? It's not that great audio, but it was uh, calling a moron. Nancy Pelosi, when asked about Kevin McCarthy's complaint about wearing a mask. The mask mandate, Speaker Pelosi, any response to the backlash of the response? That's the purview of the Capitol physician, the official capacity uh, mandate from him. I have nothing to say about that except we honor it. Leader McCarthy Leader McCarthy says it's against the science. Okay. Call them a moron. Yeah, it's politically incorrect. It's politically incorrect for Maxine Waters to use expletives to describe another fellow member of the House who is vaccinated and doesn't want to wear a mask, and he shouldn't. And it does go against the science. Even though she's got a lot of designer masks, she felt bad putting away and she could take out now. There's a reason why the Senate doesn't do it. There's a reason why I'm not doing it inside workplace, because there is no danger. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. we got a big hour coming your way. Dr. Lisa Stroman is uh, standing by. Uh, she's a licensed psychologist and founder and director of Digital Citizen Academy. I want to get her take on the effect on kids and this uh, mask use. And, and from first graders to 11th graders, it affects them, and we might be dealing with it for a second year. And the bottom of the hour, Sandra Smith, before she anchors, co-anchors America Report, will be joining us in studio. And we'll talk about what's happening. Not only she's an elite athlete herself, but not only uh, what's happening in the world, but also what's happening with Simone Biles and the interesting response from around the globe to be the best in the world and to not compete in the biggest stage in the world after already dominating on that stage in Rio. 
I find it fascinating. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Crime does pay right now across this country. Criminals know that they have the green light to pretty much do what they want to do because they were in an era where we coddled criminals instead of holding them accountable. And now the criminals just have no fear of consequences because they know they're going to get slapped on a wrist. Well, that is uh, police officer Dion Joseph. That's what cities are now saying almost a year after they told him they were the problem. Call a cop. They need to be reimagined, they were told. Now from D.C. to Seattle, they're begging anyone, everyone, to grab a badge and help out. So far, the response? Crickets. I don't blame them. Number two. At a time when Washington seems broken, this group of members behind me came together and decided we were going to do something great for our country. My goal remains to pass both the bipartisan infrastructure bill and a budget resolution during this work period. Both. Wow, when will these, uh, uh, we are seeing bipartisan infrastructure bill is framed out and now needs to be built on. A full Senate vote to move forward happened yesterday. 67 said yay. What we now know is in and what is not in it. And what about the $3.5 trillion? Not all Democrats will sign off on it, putting it in peril. Number one. Which is it? Vaccines or masks? Do the vaccines work or they don't work? Do the masks work or they don't work? I'd like to know which it is. Or are they just going to go around poking people saying you must take a vaccine? Oh, but sorry, the vaccine doesn't work. You must wear a mask. Uh, That is Chip Roy. Man, I can understand his frustration. I feel the same thing. When will these Democrats follow the science? County by county, vaccinated and unvaccinated, we're being told to mask up. I say no. The factless mask mania adding to the idiocy as the Biden bunch leave the southern border wide open is now being overrun with people, many of which carry the virus. Why does that not matter? What I thought was most disturbing is what uh, what the uh, CDC director said, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, when it came to kids in school. In areas with substantial and high transmission, CDC recommends fully vaccinated people wear masks in public indoor settings to help prevent the spread of the Delta variant and protect others. Oh, my goodness. This includes schools. Unbelievable. CDC recommends that everyone in K-12 schools wear a mask indoors, including teachers, staff, students, and visitors. Inexcusable. Dr. Lisa Stroman joins us now, licensed psychologist and founder and director of Digital Citizen Academy, one of the first organizations to address the global issue of technology addiction and overuse, which is a great segment anyway. But, Dr. Stroman, what, what are the ramifications of have these kids starting in mass again? Let's first start with K through 5. So K through 5, to your point, these kids can't even get vaccinated. So that's an entirely different group that you know ahead of time that we should have known when this started that we aren't going to be able to protect this, this population because they're pediatric. And when you look at the numbers that the CDC themselves put out there, the rates of potential implications or deaths are much higher for even flu than they are COVID. So when you when you're putting them in masks and you're putting them back into the environment, you know you're you're typically you're going to manage like language comprehension issues. You're going to look at situations where emotional challenges and social interactions are happening. It's impacting our kids in ways that we have to stop and we have to think about. What is the benefit and what is the risk in this population? You're the professional, but what I've been reading is if you tell a first a first grader needs to be reading people's faces and emotions, is the teacher happy? Are they confused? Are they are they angry? 
They don't know. What emotions are they showing? What are their classmates showing? Their faces covered with these adult masks. Now, for a short time, okay. But what about, what? from what I just said, is that a big deal? It is a big deal when we look at it. We're looking at it through a filter of a parent-adult situation, right? We're looking at our kids and we're saying, this isn't right. This isn't how we learn. This isn't how humans interact. Kids, fortunately, are resilient, so they're figuring out ways to do it. But it's not ideal. And so we really do have to look at the CDC and what the science is saying and say, is this population, specifically, you asked me up to age uh, fifth grade, where before age 12, is it better for them to actually be able to see faces? Absolutely. You know, when you're looking at whether or not this, this potential vector of a child is going to be spreading in a situation where we've got teachers vaccinated and we have parents vaccinated, like that's where we have to sit down. We have to say like, what makes sense in this situation? And to me, I think that the emotional and social issues that kids are facing uh, are, are far greater than a situation where we're going to throw them into a mask and ask them to wear it for seven hours a day. Uh, are you worried? I am. I mean, I'm a parent. I've got a 12 and a 14 year old and I'm and I work for 17 years. I've worked with a population of of young adults and I've never seen a higher rate of self-harm, of disordered eating, of suicidal ideation. Like our kids are struggling. And I think if you look at the global population, you've got the highest rates in history where we have depression, anxiety and suicidal um, potential in, in this young population. And we have to look at what changed. Dr. Stroman, all, all we hear from is we don't hear from you enough. We don't hear from people in your profession enough. We only hear from uh, medical professionals, people who look at numbers. And a lot of times we don't even see the numbers and stats and data to back up what they're saying. But we got to hear from the emotional, psychological store, uh, side more. Are you and your colleagues frustrated that no one's even seeking your advice? Uh, absolutely. I think, you know, I've been throwing out information. I mean, I'll get on a plane and come to New York and go on your show. I mean, I will be front and center having a conversation about this because the, the, the realities are I work with an online safety company that looks at the back end of what kids are kind of posting, quote unquote, secretly on their on their accounts academically. And at the end of last year, we had a 429% increase in content per student in elementary school age. And we had a 73% of that population starting to talk about self-harm and suicidality. It is a crisis. And if we do not talk about it, we are going to be in big trouble two, three, five years from now. I know. I think you guys got to demand it. You know, it's teachers and, I mean, teachers and, and parents have opinions but you guys do this for a living, and you have to see the kids. And I want you to hear what – and this is not going to make you happy, but this is the president of the second biggest teachers union in the country. Listen. Vaccination is the number one gold standard um, that we need to you know, bring back our masks for schools. We're going to keep kids safe. We're going to keep our members safe, and we're going to try to open up schools, and we're going to try to move through this political battlefield. And she says she won't do anything if they tell her not to on the CDC. But we know that she's been talking to the CDC, giving their recommendations, and they cut and pasted her emails and made it their policy. So how are you supposed to trust the CDC? They basically have become political organs. I can't get this woman even to cut a to go and take questions from people, uh, let alone. I mean, the last thing she did yesterday, she did it on audio. I don't even know if she means what she says and who's writing her copy. 
But does that does that frustrate you, knowing that we could be another year, at least start the year that way? But absolutely frustrating. A, what she just said doesn't make sense. Vaccinations are the gold standard, and then she goes into like the math. So like I don't know which one she's trying to can't to have both. Say is most yeah. important in this situation, right? You know, and I think that what your your point being that we've got a bunch of different factions coming forward and saying this is what we want to do and this is how we're going to do it. And I say you have to stop and you have to look at the priority that we should have as Americans that our children come first. And if it means the difference between going to school or having to stay at home, by all means, get them into the school, however that happens. Secondly, look at, okay, what are the implications if you're putting them in a mask? And is that going to actually give them the best chance in terms of academically moving forward? We are falling behind in America. And until we stop and we look and we say, how far are we going to let this slide happen? We're going to continue to put our kids at risk. Uh, the other thing I like to bring up is that Dr. McCarty did a study with Hopkins, and they looked at all the kids that have lost their lives under 18. Almost every one of them had comorbidities, sadly, a leukemia or something, some type of lung disease or severe asthma that led to this. And it comes out proportionally statistically, which they keep telling us, go by the stats, go by the data, to 0%. So and they have not done a thorough study of this. We have to go to Israel to get their studies, a smaller uh, focus group. I got it. Smaller country. I understand it. But they have the same vaccines. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about kids that are old enough to get vaccinated, like the 12 and over and things like that, I'm not a medical person. I am married to one. So I have a little bit of of comparable information because of his his access he said, you know, the, the thing that they're talking about in, in medical terminology is that one in 31,000 kids are actually being impacted by a vaccine. You have one in 3,000 kids, a 10 times more likely chance of getting a clotting disorder if they actually get the disease, if they actually get the virus. So it's, it's much it's much better for kids and much more. there's more opportunity for them to be protected. So you have to look at the science. And to your point, we shouldn't have to go to Israel to get this data or to the UK or go to all these other countries to figure out what's happening. But unfortunately, that's what we're having to do because we're not having a consistent messaging come from our own government and CDC. Dr. Stroman is with us now, licensed psychologist. We're talking about the effect on kids in school. So if you talk about 7th and 8th graders, ninth and 10th graders, you also have this idea that this addiction to our devices is detrimental. I get it. Now what you did is you tell people to go home and, and do the remote classroom learning or they're on their phone so much because they can't do the interaction they normally have. That adds to the isolation. So if someone listening right now uh, is worried about their kids, notice that they're a little different. What could they do besides maybe homeschool them or find another school that allows them to interact more normally? Yeah, first and foremost, kids are, I, they need social interaction. They need in-person connection with others. We all do. Kids are learning how to develop who they are as adults. When we put them in devices, you literally open them up into a global portal so that they can connect with anyone in the world. And we're seeing kids that are increasing the amount that they're pushing boundaries. Nudity and sexual content has increased by 76% generally overall. If you look at the elementary school ages, you're starting to see eight-year-olds that are chronically viewing pornography at this point. It's because we don't have the ability to oversee what they're doing online. Get them off of the devices. Understand that as a parent, it is hard. I get it. We're in a pandemic. 
We have all of these issues ourselves as adults. Your job is to parent your children. Your job is to understand what they're doing. The devices are putting them at risk in multiple ways. Thanks so much, Dr. Stroman. Well, I'll get you to New York and we can discuss this because a lot of parents are extremely concerned because they feel powerless. They can't afford private school and some unions deciding what kind of education their kid's getting. Uh, Dr. Lisa Stroman, thank you. You're welcome. Happy to be there. By the way, her Twitter handle, at Dr. D-R Lisa, S-T-R-O-H-M-A-N. Listen, just a quick announcement. On September 25th, I know it it seems like far away, but it's not. I'll be in Asbury Park, New Jersey at the Paramount Theater with the great Dana Perino, Laughter Life and the Joy of Liberty, be able to talk about our books, our past, our politics, and, of course, take your questions and interact, sign these books for you and everything. We did it in Jacksonville because Dana's book had just come out, and we said, let's just do this again. Mike's coming out, President and the Freedom Fighter, in November. So we thought it might be a good, good time to talk about this in a live setting. Uh, okay, so go to BrianKilme.com, and I'll see you in New Jersey. Back in a moment. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. For the past few months, I have laid out a two-track strategy on infrastructure. A bipartisan bill focused on traditional brick-and-mortar infrastructure projects and a budget reconciliation bill where Democrats plan to make historic investments in American jobs, American families, and efforts to fight climate change. My goal remains to pass both the bipartisan infrastructure bill and a budget resolution during this work period. Both. But the problem is, Kirsten Sinema weighed in, and that was, of course, Chuck Schumer yesterday after the bipartisan framework got handed over to the Senate, and they voted to go forward on debate and fill it out and amend it. 67 votes for it, so 14 overall. So Chuck Schumer feels good about bipartisanship, but he doesn't like the package because it doesn't have all this crap in it uh, that he wants to jam down our throats through a cause of $3.5 trillion. If you play it out, it's more like $5.5 trillion. And guess who got in his way? Not Joe Manchin this time. It was Kirsten Cinema. at which time she got blasted by AOC, but I don't think she really cares. I never really met her, but she seems to be marching to her own tune, one in a very purple state that used to be red in Arizona. Uh, let's go out to Ted in California. Hey, Ted. Hey, Brian. Hope you're well. Hey, um, just wanted to comment on what the, the last interview was all about. And true leadership is looking at all the factors and having statistical signs to back it up. And what's happening to these kids, they're only taking the data, if I can even go that far, from from the uh, epidemiologists and so on and so forth. They're not looking at the overall health of the population, certainly the kids and whatnot. So to me, that's a true failure leadership. Of leadership, yeah. The CDC has an opinion. Hey, I listened to that opinion, but it'll be detrimental towards the vaccine distribution and selling us on it. And I'm not going to commit to telling these kids to wear a mask. And he has grandkids. What's he thinking? Does he want to talk to them and get his opinion? Is there a psychologist on his staff that could step in? 
Well, he's not taking that input clearly, and I could also expand that to the economic damage. But if I may, if I can just sharply focus that on California where I live. This is all a ploy to get, from a California perspective, to get the rules changed again or keep old rules in place so the governor can just ram all these this unchecked voting down our throats. You think so? And you think he's going to have pandemic rules for his recall? Say again? He's going to have the pandemic rules for his recall? Yes, absolutely. What they're saying now is uh, you're probably following this. They're forcing kids to wear masks yep. uh, in the schools. They're going to tighten down a lot of the other rules. And what's going to follow is, oh, no, it's recall election time. We're going to have to open things wide open again without checks and balances. I'll look for that, Ted. Thank you. I want you to hear from Ted Cruz on this. Cut 13. But I got to say, when it comes to COVID, the rank hypocrisy of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the Democrats is vividly displayed because they're releasing illegal immigrants on the open borders on the southern border in Texas and across the country. And at the same time, yesterday, we saw the CDC issue an absurd new ruling, a, a, a ruling that people who've been vaccinated have to wear masks indoors. I got to say, that ruling is 100 percent politics. It's not science. Yeah. It's politics. And it shows the hypocrisy of Democrats that they want to control and restrict your freedom as Americans. But at the same time, they're allowing COVID-positive illegal immigrants to come into this country. So true. It's all linked. Two major stories, they're both linked. You let COVID-positive people, illegals in, but crack down on me. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Already early polling indications that key swing voters around the country think we're going way overboard with the spending and taxing. Uh, I think it's likely to be the biggest issue in the midterm election next year, whether they succeed in passing this monstrosity or whether we succeed in preventing it from passing. Either way, they own it. There won't be a single member of the House or Senate support the three and a half trillion to five trillion dollar reckless taxing and spending spree. So that was Mitch McConnell talking about what could be jammed down Republicans throats and America's throats. And that's a partisan three point five. But they say if you do the math, it's really five trillion dollar infrastructure package will include a lot of health care things from school lunches to preschool to college to elder care. And they're even going to try to jam uh, immigration reform and election reform in it. I don't think it'll be effective. I think parliamentarian will step in. But Mitch McConnell was asked about that because late uh, last night we found out that a bipartisan deal on infrastructure was reached, the biggest spending deal in about 10 years. About uh, It's going to be about a trillion dollars, but $570 million, billion, I should say, as new money. The rest is going to be repurposed from excess pandemic money. With me right now is Sandra Smith. Uh, Sandra, at least we could start on some type of deal. You know, I always thought if this country's going to come out of this partisan huddle, um, it's going to be about deals. We'll debate who got the better of the deal, who gave more, who who got more. And on the surface, this looks like we are talking about a deal for the first time in 10 years. You sound optimistic. 
67 votes to go ahead, go ahead and debate it? I am. Interesting. I What I I keep looking at is, is the soundness of the economy. And if we're going to continue to implement this massive amount of spending, I'm with Tim Scott, John Cornyn. They keep saying my mind hasn't changed. Show me how we're going to pay for this. You know, we just got these economic growth numbers out for the latest quarter, 6.5% growth. Brian, that's unbelievable to think about. In any other given quarter, that's great growth for the United States. That's that's fantastic. But you're talking about a quarter in which we implemented massive spending, massive stimulus. You've got a free money environment. You've got the Fed pumping money into the system. You get 6.5% growth. Economists are looking for 8.4%. It fell way below expectations. And this is supposed to be the rocking quarter as a result of all this spending and all this stimulus. Where do we go from here? So if we're going to look at this massive amount of spending and Republicans are right to stand up and say, how are we going to pay for this, Brian? That's the big question, because I don't know how much longer this economy can keep chugging like it is if we keep spending like we are. So here's what uh, Kirsten Cinema said yesterday. She was part of the bipartisan deal. Uh, cut 20. We just left the floor of the United States Senate where we had a strong and broad bipartisan showing to move forward on this historic legislation, which will be the greatest investment in infrastructure in all of our lifetimes. Each of us are deeply committed to demonstrating to the country and to the world that our government can work, and it can work for the people of the United States of America. So that was a 67 to 32. So 17 Republicans voted to move forward mm-hmm. and, fra- and, and fill this out. Right now it's framed out. Fill it out. It'll be infusion of it'll be the largest infusion of federal dollars, to your point, in 10 years. Uh, so the Democrats evidently gave in when it came to public transit money, when it came to money, many green projects. There's some green in there. Uh, and they repurposed $250 billion in pandemic aid. Thought it was an emergency. We needed to spend it. Here's good is good news. The Republicans gave a lot back, uh, a lot back of that uh, of the supplemental unemployment aid. They mm-hmm. said we don't want it. It's keeping people from getting jobs. It ended up being 50 billion, and they put that towards the total of over over a trillion. So the Republicans do not want to raise taxes, and they also don't want the IRS radicalized to go after people and bulked up and put billions of dollars in to be aggressive, to collect money they said is being cheated from them. Are you concerned about this clearing the way for the $3.5 trillion spending package? Okay, so that seems to be where Republicans stand on this. Tim Scott was one of those that expressed his frustration immediately following. He said, I voted no on infrastructure a week ago because there was no legislative text. There was literally nothing on paper. My mind has not changed. There is still no legislative text or explanation on how to pay for a one trillion dollar infrastructure plan i agree with you there is some hope out there that there could finally be some bipartisan agreement but uh tim scott john cornyn seems to be getting in the way he also put out a message i will be voting no until there's written text and we have not seen the text Uh, i'll tell you the list uh i'll tell you the roads bridges and major projects 110 billion Mm -hmm. uh something for safety 11 billion public transit 39 billion Mm -hmm. Passenger and freight, sixty-six billion. Airport ports, forty-two billion. Clean water and water infrastructure, one hundred and five billion. Seems kind of vital, mm-hmm. uh, but they have some environmental things that had Larry Kudlow a little uh, aghast. Environmental remediation, twenty-one billion. Power infrastructure, he says, going to hurt the natural gas business. That's probably getting things ready for electric cars, high-speed internet. Most both sides want sixty-five billion. Now, what's next is what's worrisome. 
because the question is, and I don't know how this plays out. Carl Rove was on yesterday and said, we got to do what we agree on and worry about what we're not going to be dealt on, we meaning their Republicans, for the $3.5 trillion. They're not going to look for a Republican vote on that. So that's going to be all that other stuff I mentioned. But mm-hmm. Kirsten Sinema messed everything up for Democrats. Mm-hmm. She came out and yeah. said, I'm not signing off on that. Mm-hmm. No, I absolutely agree. I There was a Democrat on our air just a few minutes ago when I was coming down in the elevator. I thought it was really interesting. There was It was a, a panel debate. And he said, you know what? You know why Republicans are making such a mess of this mask situation? Richard Goodstein. It, it, yeah, Richard Goodstein. You know why they're making such a mess of this mask situation in Washington? Because they don't want to talk about what is getting done. This massive growth in the economy said a bipartisan deal that is getting done. I'll ask you, Brian. You know, there is, while we're all fussing about all this stuff over here, look what's happening. Look what is getting done. And you can't, you can't, you can't, be focused so much over here that you don't see, um, in some cases, what is a far left agenda that is actually getting implemented while we're paying attention to all the fuss over here. I mean, it's a fair, yeah. it's a fair look, point. He was making it look like it was a good thing for. Do his you party. look at this as more far left than moderate? This I, infrastructure deal. I think the massive amount of historic spending overall. Is, Overall, but you're counting the 1.9 trillion emergency package that we didn't need. Absolutely, and the fact that these checks are still going out in some of these states where you can't even get people to show up for work. I think the unintended consequences, and this is the one thing I keep pushing on my show, whether I'm talking to a Democrat or a Republican, who's talking about the unintended consequences of all this? There's bipartisan support for infrastructure. There's nobody denying that. Every Republican has said that. But who's going to account for all this spending and how it's actually? going to be spent. That's good, the question. Good point. I'm worried about what's coming around the corner. For example, this is so insulting in a way. Can you imagine sitting down with me trying to buy a house or a piece of land and we go back and forth for weeks mm-hmm. and everything you negotiated out, I wait for you to sign the contract mm-hmm. and I come back in and I put it back in, in a contract that supersedes yours. Mm-hmm. So everything they said, we're not putting that in. We're not going to raise taxes on corporate rates. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do uh, school lunches. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do preschool. We're not going to do elder mm-hmm. care. You're okay. And then as soon as I leave the room, you go and put it in anyway. Yeah. So that's what's happening. So this is kind of insulting. Why am I negotiating? Now, one school of thought is do the right thing, mm-hmm. put it on your report card, mm-hmm. and then let them do the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. The other is you're making me look like an idiot, what President Trump said. Mm-hmm. Republicans, you're being used. Mm-hmm. You're giving Joe Manchin cover to tell his people of West Virginia, I worked at a bipartisan deal, and I, I chewed them down when it came to the other partisan deal. Mm-hmm. Don't give them cover. I'm for more the Karl Rove camp. Mm-hmm. You would negotiate this if Trump was in office. Mm-hmm. Do it. Yeah. Don't expect to get everything. That's the way it's supposed to be. You're never supposed to be happy. If it's a good deal, you're both a little unhappy and a little bit happy, okay? And But Joe Biden simply stepped on his message two weeks ago when they said after the bipartisan deal, I wouldn't do one without the other. Mm-hmm. So this other one I find unbelievably disturbing mm-hmm. because the pressure on the parliamentarian – to pass this reconciliation package mm-hmm. on stuff that has nothing to do with financing. Mm-hmm. They're going to try to do immigration reform on a financial reconciliation package mm-hmm. and voting reform. Yeah. If the parliamentarian's intimidated, I don't know who she is, Chad Pergram does, mm-hmm. but if she feels pressure, all of a sudden she becomes the most important. We watch Supreme Court justices fold under political pressure. Think about the parliamentarian. Are you naming names? Um, I don't know the name of her, but Chad knows the name of the parliamentarian. I'm talking about Supreme Court justices. Oh, oh, I'm John Roberts. I mean, absolutely. Um, 
Here's the here's my other concern is the fact that you've got a White House and a Federal Reserve under this administration that have not been willing to acknowledge the effects that this has had on inflation. Absolutely. How many times did you see Jen Psaki, whether it was discussions about, you know, um, the infrastructure bill or this massive spending or whatever it is? Are you seeing inflation? No, you know, it's really not a problem right now. Fed says it's transitory. This is only temporary. This is going away. Everyone in this country has experienced inflation in some degree right now. You can't deny that. Every single state is registering higher inflation. It has not proven to be a blip. So if you're going to implement this massive amount of spending, let's look at that. Let's look at the consequences of that. Let's look at the trajectory of inflation because we can't keep that up. Even if wage growth, there's no way wage growth will keep up and be able to keep up with the the rate of inflation. That's a great point. You got that rich business background, which once again, like 2008, is really needed to do the news. Because 2008, when everything collapsed, learn learn our lessons. What what exactly is happening? Because we said, what are you talking about with these uh, mortgage rates and who was on the hook and how they were sold and how we're never going to be able to catch up to them? But I'm going to bring that front and center, and I hope this doesn't sound sexist because this is what an economist said, Mm. that suburban moms were lost by Donald Trump because of his tone. That's the the forensics done on that election, okay? Now those moms still, for the most part, do more of the shopping than the dads in a traditional household. Everything that they buy, from bread to milk to meat, um, the— Project on their house that building a garage, building a dormer is more expensive because of the lumber, because of the nails, because of the labor. Everything has gone up, including the gas they put in their cars. And they they are seeing that right now in their polling that is collapsing on this president of the United States and his party. Because they know what they voted against. But did they know in all what they, those cases what they, what they, they voted for? No one said you're going to, gas is going to double. No one said bread's going to double. No one said meat's going to be more expensive. No one's going to say that uh, the the restaurant you go to is going to be double because they can't get labor or shut down at 8 o'clock or not open on Saturdays. Or, you know, the, the construction project's doubled and no one's making a profit. The con- contractor says, I have no choice. Your, st- your furniture's not coming in because there's no one to drive the truck. That, that's a real problem. I, that's Talk what I've had. anybody yeah. out yeah. there. We're doing a story on our show today, actually. Um, it's about, I, I don't even know. what It was a double-digit percentage. I think like over 30% of people who are currently still working from home do their work from their bed. And I thought it was so funny because it's probably really true. I pro- probably it's more probably people who didn't even want to admit it. They're they're in their pajamas and they're working from their bed. And my big joke was, yeah, because they probably couldn't get a desk delivered during COVID. <laughs> that was like the the big thing. All these parents were having to homeschool and they needed desks for their kids. You couldn't buy a desk. Yeah, Amazon or anywhere. Right. Um, furniture delivery suffered as a result. But no, I mean, the. I've waited six months for a couch, by the way. And then when I went to follow up on it, they go, Good news. We have two pieces. We don't have the third. That is unbelievable. Is that unbelievable? And they said to me, Sorry, we, we put the order in right. We just can't find it. <laughs> I swear, if you say this in any like cocktail circle, coffee house, go, everybody exactly jumps what you in. Mean. Everybody's got a story about it. No, I looked at something yesterday, and to get delivery of this piece, it was projecting March of 2022. Major furniture company. Couldn't believe it. Right. So that's happening. Sandra, when we come back, we cover uh, uh, two of the major stories, but I want to find out if you need to know more. Yes, please. Back in a moment. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everyone. Sandra Smith, college athlete, um, <laughs> uh, has a passion for sports, has uh, athletes in her family. And before we do a more to know, Sandra, I just want to get you to take on Simone Biles. One of the most fascinating sports stories you're going to get if you're doing a sports show, live off it. Uh, I know Charlie Kirk was very critical. Uh, so was Clay. Um, uh, so was Clay. Uh, uh, Travis, he was very critical of her. I'm not. I can't figure out what happened. From what you know, what do you think about her bowing out? I think your your commentary on my show yesterday was, it was entirely fair. Um, it's one thing to say, you know what, an athlete should never give in to the pressure. You should show up. You should perform. That's what you're there for. You decided to represent the country. I see where people are on that. But if this is a mental health issue, who are we to judge and pass judgment on that? She's got to deal with it. But guess what? From all of these moments in sports history, we have seen opportunity and we have seen, we have seen great athletes rise in these moments. Suni Lee is one of them. That it's amazing that she, as, as I give speeches all the time about attrition, just show up there. She is won the gold. um, And that was an opportunity for her. And so yay for her, go USA, go team. And I think, I think this is the way great athletes are born. She's 18 years old. And she ended up getting it, and we'll see. Next week, we'll see if Simone Biles, she evidently has some spatial She awareness. might come back. She might come back, too. It could be almost a form of vertigo. You ever talk to somebody, you could be as tough as you want. You have vertigo, you lose your balance. So it might be something like that. Uh, and maybe it's stress-related. I don't know. But I'm not going to judge. I also I have never been that good at anything in my life. So I don't, I don't know. Can you imagine being the world's, the world's best at something for eight years, six years? That's incredible that's an incredible amount of stress the only thing i can compare it to is performing at the division one uh level track and field for lsu and i used to i could not handle the crowd i could not handle all the activities that were going on the track and on the field before my races i would step away and i would go somewhere quiet on the campus whether we were baton rouge or somewhere else and i would step away and i would stay there until i knew i had a certain amount of time before my race and I would reemerge because I could not handle all of that. So, I mean, that's the only thing I can compare it to. But you've got to find what works for you. And you kind of think by 24 she would have found that by now. So something else might be going on. Let's find out if Sandra Smith needs Uh-oh. to know more. <laughs> more to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. Apple is delaying the return to the office, Andrew, until October or beyond because of the new declaration from the CDC. CEO Tim Cook told Fox Business that this week, I think it was... Uh, Susan Lee was told that the news comes on the same day that fellow tech giant Google pointed to the Delta variant announcing similar things, extending its work from home policy through mid-October. Surprise you? No. <laughs> it because, does not. You know why? A lot of the employees didn't want to come back on Labor Day. They so didn't this want to is come back, out. and those companies have gone on the record saying that their productivity has remained high, they're able to continue like this, and they've given people the option of working from home. Fox Next. Fox Nation has struck a deal, a licensing deal with Warner Brothers for six classic Clint Eastwood films. Love uh, it. Who Can Forget the 80s, Private Benjamin, uh, The Outsiders, The uh, Right Stuff, and Tango and Cash. Which one wouldn't you see? The Outsiders. Tango and Cash. I don't want to see him with an, isn't he with a, an ape in that? It makes no sense. <laughs> That's Kurt Russell. Oh, that Kurt, oh Kurt Russell an ape? <laughs> Who's Cash? Yeah, it's Kurt Russell and uh, Stallone, Tango oh. and Cash. 
Really? Then why is it with Clint Eastwood movie? Oh, did he produce it or something? My sister had no, an no, obsession no, with no, The Outsiders, the, watched the, it over The 1980s movie is part of the later collection that's premiering. It's The Outsiders, Right Stuff, Tango, and All Tango, right, Project Benjamin. Exercise helps kids expand their vocabulary. Researchers at the University of Delaware find a proper fitness regimen can also help kids expand their minds. Do you think that's true? hundred percent. In fact, I think all kids should go get exercise out of their system before they go to school in the morning. Four quick stories. Sandra adapted brilliantly. One to three. Watch her on America Reports. Is that okay, Sandra? Thank you, Brian. Any other place we should watch you? Um, next week, I'm filling in for Harris at 11 a.m. Eastern Time all week. It's a lot of work. Okay. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.